we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Gazette's FIFA World Cup podcast, and we are recording on consecutive nights for the first time all tournament. It was a thrilling final match day of the group stages, and you can expect a lot more consistent podcasts coming your way as we head into the knockout round. But tonight, I am joined by two new additions to the podcast, George Yates and Adriana Warens, to discuss all the action from Group G and Group H and set the stage for the upcoming knockout round, including a specific look at Saturday's matches between the Netherlands and the USA and Australia and Argentina. It's going to be a very fun next couple weeks at the FIFA World Cup. Let's get started with tonight's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Sports Gazette's FIFA World Cup podcast. Tonight, I am joined by Adriana Werens. Adriana, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How about you? Good. And George Yates. Hey, George, how's it going? Oh, very good, mate. Yeah, just enjoyed the last round of group stage games. So, yeah, ready for the knockout rounds. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a fun night. I know uh, last night was a lot of fun uh, and thrilling stuff. Tonight, uh, not necessarily the drama or surprise, but we had, uh, you know, some great goal, uh, some high-scoring affairs today and some, some drama in the earlier games. And uh, I want to start with those earlier games to kick us off tonight. Uh, we Over in Group G, those games got kicked off at 3 o'clock. We had Uruguay against Ghana and Portugal versus South Korea. I think everyone had their eyes on Uruguay and Ghana, uh, just with the Luis Suarez revenge factor. And, you know, those two teams kind of, I think, the favorites to kind of get out of the group. And neither of them did get out of the group. Uruguay, Uruguay won 2-0, but that wasn't enough based on South Korea springing up surprise over Portugal. Uh, George, I'll come to you first. Is this enough justice for Ghana? Can we finally put the, the Luis Suarez narrative to bed? Or, or do you feel like Ghana still can feel aggrieved based off what happened in South Africa in 2010? No, not enough. I mean, they tried to get a bit of justice with the time wasting at the end um, in order for Uruguay to uh, get knocked out. But especially the, the penalty as well, that would have broken a lot of uh, Ghanaian hearts. You could just tell as soon as he was taking so much time and then the stutter and then the miss. At that moment, you just thought, oh, this is this is going to be a repeat of 2010. So to answer your question, Jackson, no, there wasn't en- not enough justice for 2010. Yeah, I think it's very ironic how tonight kind of worked out where we had another Ghana penalty miss and Luis Suarez kind of old, a little bit more on the chubbier side than he was in 2010, but still kind of pretty good tonight. Uh, Adriana, what did you see from, from Suarez tonight? Were you impressed with his performance or are you able to... Or, or is it still too hard to kind of see past all of the uh, shenanigans that he kind of brings to a soccer or a football pitch? Yeah, I think sometimes like all these things, they overshadow a little bit like his actual performance. I think, um, yeah, today, I mean, you, you, we can see that he's getting a little bit older. And as you said, he's a little bit getting more on the chubbier side. But um, yeah, I think he had his chances, but... Yeah, I think in the end, they, they were happy that uh, he wasn't the one who scored. 
wasn't the one who scored, but he really did uh, play a huge part in the second goal. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think he was he was crying at the for like the last fifteen minutes of the match. It felt like, and I think my biggest question mark coming out of this game is: Did Diego Alonso, the Uruguay manager, did he take off Suarez and Nunez and some of his more attacking players too early? Uh, tough to blame him. I don't think any of us expected South Korea to to pull off that comeback, but it's in the balance. And we've seen crazy things happen in this World Cup with Japan, you know, springing the surprise last night, and you know, even before that, Costa Rica's late winner against Japan earlier in that group. Uh, George, do you blame Alonso for taking the guys off, or just unexpected circumstances? I think play at the at the end of that match. Not really. Um, I mean. From, especially from our point of view, watching the Uruguay game, you you wouldn't expect South Korea to come back and beat Portugal. I know Portugal rested a lot of players, but still, I think Portugal's depth is pretty good themselves. So if, I, I don't think you can put any blame on Alonso, especially because Suarez is what, 36, 37. Uh, so I don't think he's got 90 minutes in him at the moment. So no blame on uh, the managers, Uruguay managers part for me. Yeah. Let's, let's move on to that Portugal-South Korea game, which I'll be honest with the listeners, the three of us all were watching the Ghana-Uruguay match together, and the Portugal-South Korea game was on a computer in the corner of the room that none of us had a good view on. Uh, so we didn't get to watch too much of this until you know the very end when Huang Hee-chan got the winner in stoppage time. South Korea progressed. Before we talk about South Korea, Adriana, do you think we're taking... Are we taking Portugal serious as a World Cup contender right now? You know, how would you assess their chances of, you know, making a deep run and potentially winning in uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's swan song? I mean, what we have learned so far in this World Cup is that everything is possible. So I wouldn't rule out that uh, they could actually win the World Cup. Um, but I mean, with Ronaldo, um, similar to Suarez, he's getting old. And um, I mean, there was one chance where he had a... Uh, Hada was a really good chance, but he didn't manage to actually get it uh, yeah, uh, on the goal. Um, so I think that's like a little bit uh, as a symbol like for, for his performance at the World Cup. I think he doesn't shine as much as he has in the previous World Cups. But I mean, we have players like Bruno Fernandes who are um, playing a great World Cup. So I think they could make it far, uh, but I don't think they will win. Yeah, kind of interesting today with, with Portugal's team. They they rested a lot of guys, but Ronaldo's not one of them. Maybe they wanted him to find confidence. And when you talk about players aging, usually you talk about, you know, oh, they're, they're, they're paid, they lose their pace or their fitness. And obviously those things have happened to Ronaldo, but you don't really expect him to lose that knack of finishing. And he's in this World Cup, he has had opportunities to finish and score and he hasn't been able to other than from the penalty spot. Uh, George, maybe the same question for you, but, you know, as an England fan, let's say, let's say Portugal or uh, who I'm trying to find a good comparison here, but let's, let's just say Portugal, Spain, uh, Brazil, Argentina, these favorites, France, Portugal's at the bottom of that list for you, right? Or am I, am I wrong in assuming that? No, you are you are correct. I I, I do have bad memories of an uh, England Portugal. One of my first uh, memories was England getting knocked out uh, in the two thousand six World Cup on penalties uh, to a Cristiano Ronaldo penalty. Uh, but in terms of this year, 
Uh, I would still fear them. There's still a lot of good players. I mean, Bruno Fernandes seems to be in top form. You've got people like Bernardo Silva. Uh, Ronaldo is starting to come back into it. I thought the first game, his link-up play wasn't quite there. His touch was heavy and stuff like that. But especially the game against Uruguay, I thought he was he thought he was a lot better. Um, obviously, I didn't I didn't manage to watch too much of today. I, I think he missed quite a few chances. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd, like, I'd I would still be worried. Um, there's uh, if we did play them in, I think we're possibly due to play them in the semi-finals. Um, but yeah, I don't see them as much. I would I would think I would fear Spain a, a bit more. I would fear uh, France, especially when you've got Mbappe on that left wing. That just frightens me to death. Um, but yeah, I think they're 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 kind of in that five fifth fifth sixth favourites uh, for me at the moment. This yeah, is I got one for you. Uh, Portugal or Netherlands? Who would you less like to face as an England fan? Portugal. I from what I've seen, Netherlands have looked pretty mediocre. Like they've done. Yeah. They've, 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 uh, they've, they've done. They've done. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a good, it's a good tier. Yeah, I think that's a good tier to put them in. It's like just above kind of Netherlands and the rest of the contenders, but still below the the top four or five maybe of, of the true favorites. Uh, of course, they lost it to South Korea. And looking back at South Korea's results in this World Cup, a nil-nil against Uruguay to start. They lose 3-2 to Ghana, but they really dominated that game for, for large portions of it. They had 22 shots. And seven on goal. All three of Ghana's shots on goal found the back of the net in that 3-2 loss. And then they beat Portugal today. Um, Japan and South Korea putting on for, for the continent of Asia. Two, two great you know stories here. And, and I think both teams have a realistic shot of getting to the next round. South Korea will face uh, Brazil, which is gonna, obviously going to be a tough sled. But I haven't watched too much of South Korea. And I just want to say it's... Uh, Flowers for Hyung Ming Song. He's such an important player for Tottenham. He was uh, brilliant today. He provided the game-winning assist. And it, it's going to be fun, I think, now that there's going to be more of a spotlight on South Korea. It's some, it's somewhat of a team in that group with, with Uruguay and Ghana and Portugal. Maybe we forgot about them, but going to be impossible to forget about them going up against Brazil in the next round. And let's move on to Brazil. They lost tonight one nothing to Cameroon, and it's actually Brazil's first group stage loss since 1998 against Norway. Not taking too much from that, but uh, George, or Adriana, can we blame the Cameroon player for taking his shirt off, scoring a game winner, and getting a red card? Uh, you've played quite a lot of uh, important football matches. Are you? Do you sympathize with him, or is that something where he has to keep his cool there? I mean, of course, it's a great moment to score against Brazil, um, um, especially like in the last part of the game and during the last minutes. Um, I think it was the emotions that actually, yeah, the, that led him to this decision. Um, of course, like his coach, his uh, teammates won't be uh, happy about that because um, they left him uh, like with 10 players on the pitch. Um, um, it's good that they actually managed to uh, keep the same result, but yeah, I, I mean, it's it's the emotions, I think, was the reason for it. Yeah, for sure. Vincent Abubakar, uh, goal in the 92nd minute, a red card in the 93rd. So he did get a, a minute to celebrate, I suppose. Um, George, I know you said you watched a lot of the Switzerland-Serbia game tonight. For me, that first half was one of the more entertaining halves we've had across the group stage. Uh, you could tell... There, there were, there was a lot on the line. Uh, 
Serbia needed to score a goal and they took the lead at one point and then Switzerland, you know, had to respond and, and answered and eventually won the match. Uh, you know, Switzerland are the team that are moving on. So what was your biggest takeaway from that match? What did you see from Switzerland? And uh, they're going to be playing Portugal. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a matchup I think Switzerland has to not feel great or comfortable about, but I think they'll take that matchup uh, compared to a lot a, a majority of the other group winners. Yeah, um, I've been quietly uh, impressed with Switzerland. I, I, I expected probably Serbia to um, finish second in this group. But they've got some decent players. I thought Brilliant Bolo's been uh, d pretty decent in this tournament. I think got two goals in three games. Uh, looks very powerful, great, great dribbler. Xhaka um, has been important. Zakaria today, I thought he came on and uh, really shut up shop as soon as um, uh, Switzerland got that third goal. So quite... Fairly impressive. I don't think they'll have enough to beat um, beat uh, Portugal, though. I, I, Adriani, you might like this uh, metaphor. I, I think Switzerland are the white walkers of Europe. They just won't go away. I don't understand at any tournament how they uh, continue to to qualify and make these deep runs. They beat France in the Euros, right, uh, in the last round, but they are they're still they're still kicking here. Um, and Shakiri, I mean, the perfect example of that White Walker. I can't believe he's he's still playing and making an impact. Uh, but when you, Adriana, when you think about uh, Serbia and all the talent that they have, do we should we consider this a disappointment that they didn't get out of the group? Guys like Mitrovic and Vahalovic, or was this just a difficult, tricky group? And that's that's the World Cup at the end of the day. Not not all the team, not all the good teams can make it to the round of sixteen. Yeah, I mean, I see both sides. I think in the end, it was also a lot of luck that played into it. Um, I mean, as you said, they have great players. Serbia has great players with um, Mitrovic, who um, scored again today. But um, yeah, I also think it's good that um, other nations like Switzerland, that they make it um, every time to like the, the round of 16. As, as the under, uh, I always like the underdog story that they actually yeah make it even though nobody expects it yeah definitely all right well that's gonna kind of take us to our next topic here we'll move past the matches today and uh take let's take a quick look back at the entire group stage and uh my first question is of all the teams that failed to qualify for the knockout round who are you most disappointed with adriana i'm gonna start with you for those that don't know adriana uh, played football at, with the Bayern Munich's women's team for a little while in the academy and everything. She's a proud German. I'm assuming Germany is her most disappointing team here. Uh, just, Adriana, you've, you watched all the games. What do you think went wrong for, for Germany? Uh, we touched on this in the podcast last night, but I'd love to get your perspective of, you know, what needs addressing within the German national team right now. Um, yeah, my biggest feeling, like over, overall, overall for the team, is that they aren't like they haven't grown together as a team yet. They, um, I think, you, um, when we start like at the defense, they don't have like world class uh, defenders. Um, only may maybe Antonio Rüdiger, but um, yeah, Niklas Süle made some yeah big mistakes during uh, some of the games and. Um, then also with the striker position, um, it's old German problem. Um, we have we brought Niklas Fulkrug, but he didn't play from the beginning. And um, yeah, Thomas Müller, he is normally a midfield player, so it's very difficult. But um, I mean, now it's also the question if they want to keep um, 
Hansi Flick as the coach of the team, I definitely think he should stay because I think just Germany needs, needs more time. They have a very, there are many good young players like Musiala who I think will will get really big in the future. Um, so I think Flick just needs more time with the team, and then in maybe four or even eight years, I think Germany can hit back and actually have a chance for the title. Yeah, I think I'm not too concerned about Germany's long-term prospects. They, at the end of the day, they the difference between them and Spain qualifying, where Spain put seven past Costa Rica, which was kind of fluky, it seems like, based off Costa Rica's results on the rest of the group. Um, obviously, Adriana, you're here living in, in London with us at the Sports Gazette. Uh, but I'm just curious, before the tournament, there were lots of protests, you know, in the Bundesliga about the World Cup. There's, uh, It seemed like there were some apathy toward this tournament what's you know what can you tell is the mood like back home right now is it is there a lot is there maybe less frustration than there normally would be just because of all of the you know dark clouds that are hanging over this world cup in qatar what what can you tell from you know social media or friends back home is kind of the, the german uh the mood right now yeah i mean obviously um, most of the people are disappointed but i also realized that Many people actually boycotted the World Cup because of what's going on, because of the uh, humanitarian issues. Um, um, but I also have to say that we as a Germans, we did not expect much from this team uh, in this World Cup. Um, but I mean, normally we expect them to, to make it to the round of 16 at least. So it, it was still a disappointment, but in the back of our head, I think we we had the feeling that they won't get very far again. Gotcha. Well, I'm very excited to watch the rest of Jumal Musiala's career. If there's one player on that side that stood out, it was him. Felt like every time he got the ball on the left wing, he was going to have a shot on target Definitely. with my teammate. Uh, a brilliant player. All right, George, who, uh, who's your missed uh, disappointing team from the, from the round of six or from the group stage? I think there's a few. Um, Honourable mentions maybe Denmark or Uruguay, but for me, number one stands out is Belgium. I mean, they've had such a plethora of talent over the past five, ten years, and it just hasn't seemed to connect for them. Yes, they did well at 2018, but this tournament, they really kind of stank out the joint a little bit. Um, just oh, Lukaku's finishing it. Croatia just wasn't just wasn't up to standards. Uh, the Morocco game, they were poor, really poor. Um Morocco were fantastic and deserved to win, but and Canada and Canada just arguably deserved to win the first game, but there was just something off. Uh, we've obviously heard about a lot of the leaks uh, in camp between uh, Hazard, uh, Vertonghen, and De Bruyne, uh, but I think it's time. Obviously, uh, Martinez is now gone. I think it's time to blood through that young talent. Get uh, let's end end uh, Vertonghen, Alvira. They've had their time in the sun. It's not. It's now time to blood new young talent for them for the Belgian side. Yeah, I, I think that when we came into this tournament, we all knew Hazard wasn't the player he once was, but we maybe thought De Bruyne was at another level, a higher level than he was once, you know, at the last World Cup or even the last Euros because he's been so good with Man City and with that Holland connection. But maybe we undervalued Hazard's importance to this team uh, just as a guy that can dribble out of trouble, can bring, you know, settle the play down, can bring others into attack. And he's just not the same player. I think he was, you know, there's a, there was a lot of criticism for him inside the Sports Gazette offices, maybe. And I didn't agree with all of that criticism. I thought he played all right for the most part. Just Belgium were so poor in general, it was hard for him to impact the game. 
but still he's not he's not the player he once was and out of fit Luke out of form and not so fit Lukaku and like you mentioned that aging defense it's it's time for there to be changes they they entered this tournament ranked second in the world I think is that right yeah yeah second, second in the world and, didn't uh, play like it though no not at all not Crash. At all. <laughs> So, uh, my pick real quick for most disappointing team is Mexico. I'm going to uh, kind of gladly uh, ostrac- or criticize my biggest rivals, but I'm also, you know, it's it's not good for CONCACAF when only the USA makes it to the round of 16. Um, Tata Martino let go right away. I think the writing might have been on the wall for this Mexico team that, like you mentioned, Adriana, for Germany, that disappointment was a little bit of an expectation just because they played so poorly in CONCACAF qualifying. Uh, they didn't secure their qualification till either the, the last or the second uh, to last match day. And look, Mexico, they had made the round of 16 for seven straight years. And I just watching their game against Poland, where it was a nil nil draw to start, there was like very little uh, folk, not focus, but emphasis on attacking and trying to go win the game. It seemed like Mexico was very happy to settle for a draw. And then against Argentina, they just had no impetus to try and go win and play that game. They were fouling from the first whistle, and it looked like they really wanted to draw on that one. And I thought they played pretty well against Saudi Arabia, but that was too little too late. You can't just accept draws early on in the tournament. You have to, you know, try and get they get three points at times and maybe two draws will work but in this case you played for two draws and you only got one in those first two games and that came back to bite them so all right we're gonna take a very quick break right now and when we come back we will preview the round of 16 games that somehow get started tomorrow zero days off netherlands and the usa and argentina australia we'll be right back All right, we're back, and uh, let's get started with the Netherlands and the USA. They kick off at 3 p.m. on Saturday. I am the diehard American fan of the Sports Gazette and of this podcast, so I'm going to try and have an unbiased opinion throughout the next however many minutes we discuss this. Uh, so I'll turn it over to you guys. A lot of people are saying the USA can win this game, that the Netherlands are for the taking. They haven't played too well. That makes me a little nervous. Do you guys, are we maybe overhyping Overvaluing the U.S.'s chances or undervaluing Netherlands, uh, George. What do you what do you kind of make of this this matchup? It's an intriguing one, Jackson. Um, Netherlands haven't been at their very best. Um, it's it seems like it's been the Cody Gapko show uh, for the most part. Obviously, they've got other good players, but for yourselves, USA have been decent. Like they were they were the better team in the England game, in my opinion. And if, if anyone deserved to win, I think the USA did. Um, obviously slightly disappointing in the second half against Wales, but in the first half, you were miles on top. I didn't watch uh, the USA-Iran game, obviously, because I was watching the England-Wales game. Uh, I think you have a chance. Um, this could go deep uh, into extra time. But I, unfortunately, Jackson, I'm going to have to go with the Netherlands on this one, unfortunately. Could go into extra time, as I say, but I think, I'm sorry to say, I think the Netherlands get through this round. I mean, no apologies necessary, George. I think that's the that's the smart, the prudent pick. Uh, Netherlands have a long history at the World Cups and major tournaments, and the U.S. have haven't been to a quarterfinal since two thousand two. 
I don't think so. It's it's going to be an uh, it would definitely be an upset for the U.S. to win. Uh, Adriana, you've I think you've watched a fair share of USA games just by them being in England's group and uh, being my friend. Uh, what do you what do you make of this matchup? Uh, is there anywhere specifically in the field that you think the U.S. or Netherlands might have an advantage? Well, I, I first of all, I guess that Netherlands will be still the, be the favorites of the of the game. But um, I was quite impressed with uh, the USA, especially with the, the midfield. And um, um, Christian Pulisic will be back for the game um, after he had like uh, injury after, uh, in the last game. Um, and I think obviously with the many young players, the USA has a very good base also for the next years. Um, the only thing they actually really have to improve is like the goal scoring, that they have to use their chances. And I think um, if they um, can improve in this, this field, this department, then they have a real chance against the Netherlands. Yeah, absolutely. Very interesting storyline for this game is uh, Serginho Dest, born in Netherlands, uh, you know, came up through the Ajax kind of uh, academy and was there until Barcelona came and poached him. He will. Uh, he was a dual. He could have played for the Netherlands, uh, but elected to play for the United States. So it'll be interesting watching him play against his uh, home country where he was born. He's been incredible, got the assist for Pulisic um, on Tuesday night. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he turns up if he's up for it, or maybe there's a, a little conflicting feelings and, and too much pressure on the line. Uh, one last question for this game, and we talked about it a little bit in uh, today when we saw each other in person, but if you had to take one midfield between these two teams, so Adams, Moussa, McKenney for the U.S., or De Jong, Darun, and Klassen for Netherlands, who would you take? I would take the USA, and I just asked this question to see if I'm crazy, and it's how wild is it that we're even asking this question? Two years ago, one year ago, maybe even eight months ago, this would have been, oh, Netherlands midfield by by far. Frankie de Jong, uh, are you kidding me? Get out of here, biased American. But uh, what would you say, Adriana, between those two midfields? Well, I'm sorry, Jackson, but I think at the moment I'll still um, go with the Netherlands. Netherlands, but um, I think in the future we can we can have uh, really. Uh, I think the USA midfield they can, yeah. Yeah, they're very young. One. Yeah, some years to exactly. grow. What about you, George? Mm -hmm. You know what, Jackson? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you on this one. I think the USA's uh, midfield as a trio is better. I think the best player in that in uh, out of all six midfielders is De Jong, and I think by a fair bit. But I think Tyler Adams especially is uh, impressed at Leeds this year. Uh, he's impressed at the World Cup. Eunice Musa, uh, very young talent uh, at Valencia. And Winston McKennie's been uh, been around for a while now. So, uh, as I said, uh, the best player in the in the midfield trios is De Jong. But as an overall package, um, I think I'd have to go for uh, the USA. But there's still, as Adriana says, there's still a lot of uh, growth for this midfield uh, to come from in the future. Yeah, I think that's if USA, like every game so far, if they're going to be competitive and have a chance to win, it'll be because of that midfield. Klassen likes to push up high, maybe when in that true battle in the midfield, it, maybe the U.S. can outnumber Netherlands uh, three to two, especially with Netherlands playing typically a back three and wing backs. There's going to be some space in the midfield. OK, let's move on to Argentina versus Australia. That's at seven o'clock here in the U.K., Real quick, I'll ask a simple question. Uh, maybe we don't need to spend too long on this. Does Australia have any chance against Argentina tomorrow? Adriana? Well, I would say again that 
everything is possible, but um, um, but still, I mean, Argentina went into this tournament as like favorites for the title. So I think that even though I was a little bit, bit disappointed with their performance uh, so far, I think they they will win this game. George. Yeah, I can't see uh, Australia winning this. Um, obviously, Argentina started poorly with that uh, defeat to Saudi Arabia, but it feels like they're just going through the gears a little bit. Uh, decent performance against Mexico, better performance against Poland. They still control possession. I can't see the game going uh, any different to what Argentina's uh, last two games uh, have done so far. Uh, they'll control possession. Messi will pick up the ball in, in tight pockets of spaces. And I think they'll get the job done. Um, you, listen, as Adriana says, you never know. There's been crazy stuff happening in the World Cup. Saudi Arabia has beaten them already. so. But it would be shocked if um, Australia managed to uh, get past them into the, into the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think for... I agree. I don't, I, I'm backing Australia all the way. Um, I think... Or, excuse me, Argentina. <laughs> but I think Australia... One thing, one of the reasons why I'm going to say I'm going to go out on and say no chance. Uh, you can revoke my credentials if they do win. Is when they they went ahead against France and France still were able to you know put four past them. They 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 went ahead against Denmark. Denmark were able to create chance after chance. They didn't pack their shooting boots, so they did not go uh, win that game or come back. But I thought that was more of a lack of final product from Denmark than really stingy defending from Australia. So even if Australia are able to go ahead, I just haven't been overly impressed with their defense. They posted back-to-back -back shutouts. Maybe uh, I should just take a look at the scoreboard and not necessarily what my eyes are telling me and just look at the hardcore stats. But um, I'm, a very, I'm a little skeptical about Australia's defense matching up with Argentina tomorrow. But Argentina do have one question in attack. I saw a, an article by the Evening Standard uh, predicting the lineups, and they had Lautaro Martinez returning to the starting 11 for Argentina over Julian Alvarez. Of course, Alvarez came in for the Poland game, and it was the best Argentina had looked. Uh, I know Martinez is more of a number, a true number nine, and when Alvarez plays, Messi kind of has to play that false nine. Uh, you know, George, what do you think? Do, do should Argentina go back to Martinez, or should they should they, which was probably their plan coming into the tournament, or should they stick with what they've looked at best in so far, and that's Alvarez out there. That's a good question. I think it, I think it's I think it's quite a tight call, really. Um, I think obviously uh, for Premier League fans, Julian Alvarez has been uh, a bit of an understudy to uh, Erling Haaland, but when he has come on, he's looked electric, uh, scored a lot of goals, uh, didn't. In the polling game, didn't do too much in the first half from what I might remember, but obviously uh, still scored. Um, I'd probably go with Martinez just for experience, um, but I don't think, I think you could go either way. And I think, I still think you get a quality striker up front for them. Yeah, Alvarez wouldn't be a bad person to bring off the bench if you do desperately need a goal against Argentina. So... All right, let's close with this, guys. Which round of 16 game are you most looking forward to? Uh, you know, I think there are a, quite a few actually uh, pretty tasty uh, fixtures coming out. I'll read them out right now very quickly. We already said Netherlands, USA, Argentina, Australia. On Sunday, we have France, Poland, and England, Senegal. On Monday, Japan, Croatia, and Brazil, South Korea. And then on Tuesday, Morocco, Spain, and Portugal, Switzerland. So they're coming fast and furious. Adriana, what match are you most looking forward to out of those? I would say Morocco versus Spain. 
Um, at first, because they're neighboring countries, so I think there will be yeah, some 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 issues in this department. I think there will um, will be a very physical game. Um, obviously, um, Morocco isn't a team that just plays it in the defense. They also want to like keep keep the ball uh, flowing and. Um, yeah, also with Spain, I think we, we've seen uh, in the group stage that uh, they started off great against um, Costa Rica, but then, uh, yeah, showed that they weren't per uh, that perfect against um, Japan and Germany. So I think it will be interesting if they, yeah, find back to their, like, dominating play style and, um, yeah, win against Morocco. And if they win that, and whoever wins that game will face maybe Portugal, so we could have another neighborly showdown in the uh, quarterfinals. Uh, George, what about you? Uh, as an England fan, I'm going to have to say England-Senegal. We should technically, we should come through, really. Um, but I'd be interested to see where where we're at. Obviously, when we played when we played you guys, the USA, um, we looked poor. Um, and then the other two games, obviously, we smashed Wales and we beat around 6-2. Um, so it would be interesting to see where we are properly at um, against a, a, a good a, a decent side we should still come through uh, the other game obviously we've touched on before is uh, Netherlands USA uh, as I said I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that goes for extra time obviously Netherlands haven't been great this tournament um, so that, that'd be my two obviously the England game would be a, a, a bias pick but yeah those are my two nice well I'm I had written down Croatia Japan but I'm gonna change my pick based off today's results I wrote that down this morning I'm pumped for Brazil, South Korea, and maybe that's because I haven't watched South Korea very much. Uh, and now that they're here, I really want to see them play. Um, I just, look, I haven't been too impressed with Brazil. When Neymar got injured, I said I think they can still win the World Cup without him. That was a bad take. I'll, I'll raise my hand and say that was poor. Uh, they need Neymar back. He will see if he comes back. I know he was ruled out for the group stage, and they're optimistic he'll play. You take a look at that ankle, that the picture that was going around social media. It doesn't really make sense that he, how he's going to come back in time for this one. But I think South Korea upsetting Brazil would be this, the story of the tournament. And I'm not saying that happens, but I do think South Korea are going to bring it to Brazil. They're not going to sit back. They're going to go for it. They're going to, you know, play defense and counter at the right times. They're going to press Brazil. And I, I think that could be a really, really fun game to watch. And, there's a chance we could get South Korea versus Japan in the quarterfinals, which would be really fun and uh, thrilling, especially for uh, the Asian continent. So that's it. Uh, thank you guys for joining me tonight. Adriana, thank you so much. Thank you, too. And George, thank you, mate. No worries. Thank you for having me. Having me. Yep. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Uh, we will be back tomorrow night, Saturday night, recapping the USA, Netherlands, and Argentina, Australia game. And we will take a huge look at England versus Senegal and also a brief preview of France versus Poland. But the best time of the tournament is here, the knockout round. Anything can happen. And uh, hopefully we just don't get too many games into penalty kicks because I really don't like penalty kicks. But thank you guys for listening. Have a good one.